0: and so we're going to be in matthew chapter 6 and 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 what i love about the bible is this is one of like the few times they call this the sermon on the mount one few times jesus actually preaches and yet he does this in about 15 20 minutes the whole like three chapters and we're going to talk about it for that same amount of time on like 15 20 verses so i mean you know it's just what we do we always give jesus a little extra room Why? Because Jesus does some amazing things. And so we're going to be looking at perspective. And let's be honest, how many of you have already set some New Year's resolutions? Um, How many of you have already failed at those? Right, yes, um, right, because there's always this beautiful thing where you go, all right, I am going to cut down on sugar this year. I'm not going to have as many sodas. I'm not going to do all these wonderful health things. And then my wife has the Walmart delivery order done and my favorite thing is cream soda, and there's two four-packs of cream soda, and I was like, well, guess we'll start that in a couple weeks. Um, why? Because those are just the things that we set for ourselves. We're, we're trying to think about it differently. I could look at that, and I could go, man. One, I should have communicated with my wife that I was going to cut down on sugar again. Um, mistake number one. The other thing is, I could look at it and remind myself, man, I love the fact that my wife loves me so much that she would take something simple as what she knows is my favorite drink and provide it for me see perspective is everything and if we think about the last couple of years and you know we've all seen the meme about 2022 t-o-o and like freaking out you've heard all the dad jokes about how awful this year is supposed to be in comparison to other years it's just how life goes but jesus wants us to see a different perspective of who he is and what he wants to do in our lives so we're going to start in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. And it says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust d- destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. For the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? For no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In this passage, Jesus has just finished teaching on what it means to pray and fast. And so he's trying to set their minds to think a very different way than what they've always thought. He's teaching them, all these people on a hillside, this is what it looks like to follow me, what it looks like to have your perspective set right. See, because our priorities set our perspective. Whatever you think is important to you sets your priorities. So when, when you look at each and every day, and we all do this kind of as we get to the beginning of a year, we, we look at how much time do I spend doing certain things, you know, like for kids, screen time. Every parent goes, my child is on their screen way too much as they're typing, texting, playing a game on their own phone, and they're like, I don't know where my kid gets it from. Um, Guilty, right? Why? Because all those things that we do, it's our priority. And we we get to the beginning of every year, and we say, we've got to set our priorities straight. We've got to do something different. But we've got to look at what perspective we have in the first place. One of the things that, that we have is what's called a worldview. It's our perspective. And so there's four different things that John Wesley kind of lined up for us. It's called the Wesleyan quadrilateral, which means it's a square, okay? Quadrilateral just makes all of us preachers sound a little better because we don't just say square, okay? So there's four things. You have reason, tradition, experience, and Scripture. Now, the foundation for us as believers and for all people, honestly, is Scripture. Whatever you consider your holy book to be, Whatever you focus your life upon, that is what you set your foundation on. That is your scripture, right? For us, it, it is God's word. This is where we get our inspiration. This is where we get our, everything for hope, for the faithfulness that we just sang about is found within this book because we can tell each other our experiences, but there's nothing more real than what God has done throughout the centuries, throughout the millennia, that he has not just been at work in the last hundred years, but he has been at work for thousands of years, helping his people see him and know him in a new way. That's what he's been about doing. And then we have our traditions, right? What kind of family you grew up in? What are the things that you like? You know, going to church, being a believer. Maybe it's not being a believer. Maybe that has been your family tradition. There's different things that you set up that this is just who we are. This is what we do. Then there's reasons, it's those ideological things, it's our political affiliation, which we've seen over the last couple of years, that has shifted to a lot of people's Scripture rather than just one of the things that tells who they are. And then you have experience. And so here's the beautiful thing. No one has exactly the same perspective as you. But everyone's perspective is their truth. It's a hard thing to think about because you go... That's why whenever there's a bank robbery, right, and they bring in all all the witnesses, and they say, okay, what did you see? And one person goes, well, his coat was gray. And the other one goes, no, it was a woman. And the other one goes, they were wearing blue. And they were, Why? Because they're all seeing it from different angles, trying to figure out. And so what is our number one issue when we're setting priorities is we're setting it for ourselves, but then often we push them onto other people. But our perspective should not be about what we want. It should be about what God wants for us. And so as we begin to shift our perspective, Jesus begins to line this out. So he starts off with prayer and fasting, all very, very good things. Fasting is probably not something we do enough of, right? It's setting that that specific time just to spend with you and God. Maybe it's a meal, maybe it's a couple days, but you just spend that time focused on him. But he starts off in verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So we have this first issue of heaven and earth. And we spend a lot of time trying to provide for our families. Our kids are very thankful for that at Christmas time, right? There's not a single kid in this room that didn't get more than they deserve. I mean, more than they earn. I mean, more than, yeah, parents, you know, right? It's amazing how quickly we get to threatening them, like, the closer we get to Christmas. It's like, now look... Santa's watching, because he doesn't watch the other like 360 days leading up to Christmas. It's just right at that moment that suddenly he's paying attention, right? And so you think about all those different perspectives that our kids have, but do we really have a heaven and earth perspective? Do we really do what what Jesus talks about in his prayer earlier in this chapter, which is on earth as it is in heaven? Or are we trying to do all these things that make this earth so good that it feels like heaven to us, to me, what I want, what I need. I've got to have this level of comfort, this size home, this size things, this group of friends, and, and all of that makes me comfortable. This is my version of heaven. But really it's just earth. The things that we collect here are eventually gonna disappear and die and and be gone. My daughter Maggie loves to watch history shows. I don't know what it is. It's like her favorite thing in the whole wide world. But what's interesting is these, these treasures from ancient Egypt and all these places are nothing like what they used to be. They're merely shadows, broken down pieces. And yet, at one point in time, that was what they thought would take them into the afterlife. And it's just been raided over the years. And so for us, our perspective needs to shift from earth to heaven. And this church does a beautiful job of that. The Christmas tree this, this year was such a beautiful reminder that it is not just about giving gifts to ourselves and to the people we love, but it's to be given, giving gifts to the unknown, to the outcast, to those who are in desperate need and situations that we have never found ourselves in, that we find hope in bringing heaven to people who are here on earth who may not have, have experienced it right now. They may be going through their own version of hell, and finding themselves in need of a heavenly perspective. And this church is about giving that to them. And it changes the way that they see life and the way they see this whole idea of treasure being in heaven, not just here on earth. And Jesus doesn't let up because he's Jesus. And so he goes on, "'The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness.'" Then, if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? See, we're starting to shift here from light and darkness. Now, we can all be honest. We're probably on our phones a little too much. We probably watch a little too much Netflix, Hulu, and every other streaming service that they've possibly decided to imagine now, because we don't have cable anymore that you pay 150 bucks for. You have 37 streaming channels, That you pay 15 bucks for each. Okay, just just so you remember that. You're you're not saving anything. Um, Might want to think about that perspective, parents. You want to save a little bit of money. It's it's right there. But as we see things, what are we allowing not just into our bodies, but into our hearts? You know, there's different things to fill our lives with light and darkness. Sometimes it is the media we, we consume, but other times it's the relationships we allow around us that light that we see in other people. See, see, one of the ways that the Scripture also talks about this is this idea that it is what we, what we are generous with and what we are stingy with is another way that the Scripture can be translated for this good and bad, healthy and unhealthy. That the more that we are generous with everything that we have, that this beautiful light shines through the darkness. And generosity is not just about money. There is nothing more valuable than time. There is nothing more valuable than a good conversation over a cup of coffee, especially over a cup of coffee. There is nothing more valuable than sitting and giving someone your full attention. Because everybody knows the moment that you're disregarded, darkness begins to creep in in that relationship. And how terrible it is when, when the way we view life is so dark we believe that it is our light. That happens a lot of times in church. I was talking with my neighbor just, just yesterday as I was taking the dog for a walk before the weather, you know, did Arkansas. And um, shows up. And she just began to tell me about how, how she had been hurt by a church. And she would probably never go back. And I said, well, that's, that's an interesting perspective, mm-hmm. and it has to do with their child who has, who has autism and some of his very outward outbursts that happened, and, and I can identify with that. Amanda and I, youngest daughter Molly, has, has Down syndrome, and you can typically hear her or see her run past you before you know she's there, okay? I mean, good gracious, never had a child that has such short legs that run so fast, okay? But think about it. What is supposed to be the light of the world in our religion, in our love of Jesus Christ? We can sometimes f- choose the darkness so much because we're being judgmental, because we're not choosing Jesus, we're choosing our religion, that we believe that we are so good that the world only sees darkness. And how terrible, how terrible that is if that happens to us. See, it's all about perspective. Perspective. See, when we bring light into the world, God does some amazing things. But we can't ever get so comfortable in the darkness that we think it's light. And that's a hard place to be for our world. They think they know what's right, and they're struggling in the middle of that, thinking they know the right answers. But at the end of the day, they're lost. And we have to show them that light of Jesus Christ wherever we go. And then Jesus is kind of being, you know, a little bit of, He's being vague, and then he's getting very specific. In verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And Jesus just like point blank, hey, there is an issue here. And money for us shows up in a variety of ways, right? It's not just the dollar bills that we have. It's the fact that what we serve makes a difference. Do we recognize that God has given everything to us and out of that, that gift that he has given, we in turn give? Or are we struggling that, that we've got to do what it takes to make it in this world? Financial status is huge. There's nothing more like having financial stability and knowing that you don't have to work from paycheck to paycheck. There's nothing like sitting down at the bank account and going like, this is what it means to be Stable. And not that I need so much that I can get everything that I want, but that I can actually breathe. But if I'm always concerned about hitting that bottom line, about getting that number, about having that retirement, about having the, the objects, about having the lifestyle that I want, what if God is really calling you to do something greater with that? That we can't sit there and say, I've got to have, I've got to have, I've got to have, oh yeah, God gets this too. That it has to start off with, with what God gets and the rest falls into place generosity is a gift and some people have that literally i feel like it's it's a fruit of the spirit for some of some people that they're just so generous that god just continues to bless them in ways that you can't even begin to imagine why because they recognize that everything starts with god and ends with god and everything that's in between man God gives us a lot of leniency to do, and be, and and have what we have, and, and hold dear to us. But it is about choosing to serve one or the other, because you can't serve both, because eventually one will crowd out the other. And our perspective here is setting our priorities up for success or failure. But Jesus is lining this up to help us understand that that our perspective is full of our, our priorities. And that's what makes the difference, which is why, and I know we separate these passages, but remember, Jesus does this all at one time, which is why when he goes into this next part, I don't feel like it's separate at all. I feel like it bleeds right into it. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or drink, despite the fact it's, that's what we do in church, we're worried about like what we're going to eat afterwards, like, please hurry up and get done a little bit early, it's snowing, there shouldn't be anybody at the restaurants, right? Or what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or store in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet, I tell you that not even Solomon, the greatest king ever to live, the richest king to ever live, Solomon also had to be rich because he had like 700 wives and like, let's be honest, you cannot be poor and have that many wives. He had to be rich. He had to keep finding out more places because, one, not a smart man to have 700 wives, okay? Keeping one happy is more than enough for one man's life. So if it is that how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. See, worry shows our need for perspective. Like if our priorities are not lined up, our perspective is messed up, and then there is no way that we can't not worry. I have a special anxiety time, somewhere between two to three a.m., like when I'm, when I'm anxious, when I'm stressed out, I can almost guarantee I will wake up between that time, somewhere in there. Sometimes I feel like the more stressed out I am, the more closer to two o'clock it is, and then the more closer to four o'clock it is before I fall back asleep. Like, you have these times, and it's because my perspective is messed up. It's because I'm worrying about what is gonna happen, what can do, what can't do. How is this going to work? I know, none of you are ever anxious or anything like that. Did you know that they they believe that, I was listening to a podcast, that Barna, one in the last, one in four teenagers in the last month have considered suicide. Right now we're going through what this horrible time of unknown, of anxiety. They're calling it the great resignation if people are quitting their jobs and looking for other things and we can't find people to work and all these other problems and it just begins to snowball on us and Lord help if you watch the news. If that doesn't make you worry, then let let the rest of us know which channel you're watching because we would love to know that there is just good and bad news happening in life and not their perspective on it. If God takes care of his nature so beautifully, if God is so gracious and loving and kind, then why is he the last one we go to? Oh, yeah. Because we've chosen earth over heaven, we've chosen darkness over light, we've chosen money over God. And so we worry, and we worry, and we worry. Look, there's nothing wrong with a healthy amount of uncertainty and being concerned for how things go. But when it begins to run your life, you need to change your perspective. Think about today. Um, in case you didn't notice, it snowed. Um, I know, it's, it's a hard thing to, to realize. Those of you that have kids, how did the kids respond this morning? They did not respond like that. There was a whole lot more excitement. Molly comes out. She goes, Snow! It's like, I noticed that. And you know what the first thought in my mind is? Are the roads clear? Okay. Am I going to be able to get to church? Okay. how, how is it going to be slick? Oh, man. If it snows, that means nobody's showing up to church. Yeah, we all know that. Um, truth be told, they found out that actually that only affects 10% of people. Um, But again, you're going through all these things in your mind, and you're like, okay, every time I let the dog out, the dog is going to come letting in all the snow and mud. That was yesterday also. Okay, why is today such a horrible day? It just snowed. Something I can't control. Something I can't change. And yet my daughter looks at it with wonder, and I look at it with dread. I begin to think of all the things that it can't be instead of all the things it can be. And then Maggie walks in and she goes, is there enough to make snow angels? I bet you there's enough to make a snowball. I'm thinking like, please, Lord, no. Like, let that stuff melt before we get out of church. I don't want to get hit with a snowball, especially a dirty, nasty snowball because it's more mud than snow. Like, they see wonder. They see opportunity. And too often our perspective is so messed up that we're only concerned with what it can't be and what it could be instead of what it is. 2022 is just another year. Our perspective makes all the difference. Jesus is trying to tell them, don't worry about that stuff. Like, if God takes care of animals, He'll take care of you. If God takes care of plants, He's going to take care of you. Why are you worrying? Oh, that's right. Because somehow we think we're going to get a little extra time by worrying And then he ends with these two verses, verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. If we would recognize the value that God places on us, we would recognize the value we need to place on God. And then guess what? We would seek Him first because in all things, in everything that we could possibly think of or do, He is the answer. And He's already provided a way through it. We all have problems. We all have issues that we're facing. And tomorrow we're going to face some more issues. And when I sit here and I think about what could be, what can be, what is, I forget that I have a God who was and is and is to come. And that he has already walked through those. One of the the best statements I've ever heard is when you're feeling anxious, when you're concerned, is God has already walked there first. So before you walk into the office tomorrow knowing that you're going to get slammed, God has already been there. Before you have that tough conversation with your spouse or your family about things that need to happen, God has already been there. And even as He has been there, He is going to provide a way for you to keep going forward because He's walking with you. When you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, that's not a prosperity thing. That's the beauty of hope. I love that Pastor Mark has been spending so much time on this concept of hope. It has filled me with hope. That reminder that even in the midst of what I don't get, what I don't understand, what I hate, there's still hope because we have a Savior who was born, who lived, who gave Himself, who died, but most importantly, who rose again. And it was is within that story that we don't need to worry about what may be. We face right now head on, knowing that God is walking with us as we seek Him first. And so what does it look like to seek Him first? Lots of ways. And some of you do them well. Making your relationship with God a priority by praying. Spending time in God's Word. There are some beautiful things with the Version Bible Lab, beautiful things with small groups, beautiful things with Kickstart coming up that will bring you into community, that will bring you opportunities to not only know this church, but to know the God we serve better. See, until you know how He can be faithful and how He has been faithful, you will not understand how He will be faithful. That's a perspective issue. We've got to keep our perspective on the one who cares about the here and now and has already walked through tomorrow. I love how the Gospels line this out, that Jesus was betrayed, how He had people try to plot against Him, how He also had people that loved Him dearly and walked alongside Him. His life reminds us that we can do it too because He was fully God and fully man which means He struggled with the same things we struggle with. Jesus needed sleep. Jesus needed to eat. Jesus needed clothes to wear. Those would make some really awkward biblical stories, okay? But we know that the more we focus on who God is and what He can do, the better we will come to know Him in a real way. And it changes our perspective. Why? Because... 2022 is an opportunity to really know and love God in ways you have not ever loved Him before. When you walk through the dark times, you find a God who is more faithful than you knew in the good times, because it makes the good times even sweeter. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own, so why worry about it today? Why worry about tomorrow before it even gets here? You have your opportunity today to choose heaven or earth, to choose light or darkness, to choose God or the things of this world that hold us down. You have that opportunity right now in this place to set your priorities for the year so that no matter what happens, you will not worry. No matter what happens, you'll have a perspective that trusts God more than anything you're facing or will face. But it starts with getting everything right with Him. And we believe that means that you you need to be forgiven. That you need to ask God to to forgive your sins. That there's a confession aspect to that. The only way things get better is when we confess that we have a real and personal need for God. And we ask Him to fill that. Why? Because we are all from from the greatest saint the lowest sinner like all of us have been and some of us are. We all have a need to feel and experience the love of Jesus Christ that transforms, and it starts by confessing our need for Him, by asking Him and receiving that gift of life that He gives and living it out each day. Some of us need a recommitment to choose today who you're going to serve whether the things of 2021, 2022, 2019, or the God that is right here present now as we head into what can be and what could be for you. God is not done. It's the beautiful thing, it's one of the promises that I I hold so dear is that God is not done. Even when I am done, God isn't. Even when situations and jobs are done, God isn't. Even when relationships are done, God isn't. Even when it seems like all hope is lost, God isn't. He knows right where you are, right what you need, and is willing to walk with you through that if you'll change your perspective and let, allow Him to do that for you. So we're going to just close.